Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Mohammed. Glad to be joining you back again tonight on the Rates and Lanes podcast over the past couple of weeks. Had a little flu bug or something that was just holding me down, and I swear I thought I was on death's doorstep for a couple of times there. But nevertheless, we made it through. We've come out of the woods, and we're back on the other side. So glad to be back and joining you guys tonight with the Rates and Lanes podcast. We will be having our resident mentor dropping by a little bit later on tonight. Mr. Chuck Snow is going to be dropping in. I think he has some exciting information that he wants to share with us here on the Rates and Lanes podcast. So we look forward to uh, talking with Chuck when he comes on here in just a bit. And uh, we're going to start the show off as we normally do, looking at this week's USDA Fruit and Vegetable Report. This week's report, there are no areas that are showing any type of shortage of trucks. Uh, We've got a couple of areas that are showing a slight shortage. Those areas are Central and South Florida, surprisingly enough. But, of course, you know the deal when Central and South Florida, you know you better make sure that you've got a decent rate going in there, uh, not depending on that to get you out of there at a decent rate. And the other area that is showing a slight shortage is Mexico crossing through Texas. We have several areas that are showing a slight surplus of areas that you might want to avoid. Those areas are central and western Arizona, Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, Imperial Coachella Valley, California, Kern District, California, Oxnard District, California, Santa Maria, California, Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, Columbia Basin, Washington. All of those areas I just named off are areas where they have a slight surplus of trucks, loads of trucks in the area. And there's other areas that we're going to name off are areas that are outright surpluses, Two of those particular areas, San Luis Valley, Colorado, and Nebraska. Both of those areas are outright surplus of trucks. You probably don't want to, uh, if you're going to be in going into those areas delivering, make sure that you take your backhaul with you. Make sure that you get a good enough rate to compensate. Or if you have contract freight, then that's a null and void conversation. You know, you don't even have to worry about that. Moving right along, jumping over into this week's DAT trend lines report. And we will post a uh, link for the uh, USDA fruit and vegetable report up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page here shortly. But moving on to the uh, DAT trend lines report for this week. Rates rise and low counts keep climbing. For February 26th through March the 4th, Spot market demand has been building, and last week that led to an to a rate increase 
For each equipment type, the national average van rate increased by $0.04 cents per mile, reefer rates added $0.01 cents per mile, and flatbeds jumped up by $0.06 cents per mile. The load-to-truck ratios were also up sharply for each trailer type. With that being said, let's take a deeper dive into the numbers and look at the U.S. National Van Demand and Capacity Report for the week of February 26th through March 4th. Van load postings increased 21% last week, while truck postings declined by 4%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to jump by 25%, up to 2.9 from 2.3 loads per truck. The national average van rate also saw upward jump last week. Also, an important thing to note Fuel prices were unchanged for the week of February 26th through March the 4th. National diesel prices remained steady at $2.58 per, uh, per gallon nationally. Moving right along and jumping into the U.S. fan rate report for dry vans on the spot market for February the 26th through March the 4th. March started out with a $0.04 cents increase in the national average van rate. The first week-over-week week increase in more than a month. The national average rate for for vans for excuse me, the national average rate for van rates was one dollar and sixty-six cents per mile last week. Outbound low volumes rates increased in Atlanta, Memphis, and Seattle. Rates dipped in Chicago. So taking a look around the country on the spot market by region. Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, outbound spot market rates on average out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, were $1.58 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern section of the United States, coming out of Atlanta, Georgia, the average spot market rate for dry vans was $1.89 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois coming in, with outbound spot market rates of $1.90 per mile. Coming out of the south-central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas checks in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.52 per mile. And wrapping up the report, coming out of the west coast, Los Angeles, California, showing an average spot market rate for dry vans at $1.86 per mile. Jumping over into the flatbed demand and capacity report for the week of February 26th through March 4th. Flatbed load-to-truck ratio increased for the fifth week in a row. Last week, flatbed loads postings increased 13%, while truck postings declined 5%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 19%. To 34.6 loads per truck nationally. After holding steady for the past three weeks, last week the national average flatbed rate increased. And that, uh, surprisingly enough, that 34.6 loads per truck number is actually a great number for flatbeds that puts uh, on the spot market. That puts flatbeds, gives you a lot more negotiating strength, negotiating room. Uh, the higher that number, of course, the, the better it is. 
So let's jump into the flatbed rates for the week of February 26th through March the 4th. National average flatbed rates gained six six cents last week, rising to two dollars and two cents per mile. Rates increased sharply in Atlanta and Baltimore. Let's take a look around the country uh, regionally to see how the spot market rates were performing coming out of the northeastern section of the United States. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania checks in showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at three dollars and seven cents per mile. That sets the high benchmark for uh, spot market rates nationally. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing an average spot market rate for flatbeds at $2.35 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois checking in, $2.54 per mile on average for flatbeds. Moving down to the South Central, Houston, Texas checking in, showing average spot market rates of $2.10 per mile. And coming out of the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona, wrapping up the report, bringing up the rear of poultry, $1.60 per mile on average for flatbeds coming out of Phoenix, Arizona. Dumping on over to the U.S. reefer demand and capacity report for the week of February the 26th through March the 4th. Reefer freight changed course last week. Reefer load postings jumped 24% last week, while truck postings declined 4%. The cause, the load-to-truck ratio to increase by 30% up to 5.7 loads per truck. The national average spot market rate for reefers gained one cent per mile last week on the spot market. Let's jump over and take a look at how those rates were performing on the spot market. After seven consecutive weeks of week-over-week -week declines, last week reefer rates gained one cent per mile last week. The national average rate for reefer rate was up to $1.88 per mile on average nationally. Taking a look around the regions, starting out in the northeast, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in, showing average spot market rates for reefer at $1.65 per mile. Moving down into that uh, southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida, checking in, showing an average spot market rate of $1.33 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Green Bay, Wisconsin, as always, leading the charge for reefer freight on the spot market, $2.59 per mile on average coming out of Green Bay. Moving down into the Rio Grande, McAllen, the south central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas checks in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.93 per mile. Wrapping up the report, over on the left coast, Fresno, California, checking in, showing average spot market rates of $1.83 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's DAT trend lines report. And now for the portion of the show that seems to get longer and longer, I want to take a sip of water before we get into it, the bad broker report. And since we missed a couple of weeks, I'm going to go back to the 
February the 22nd. That will pick us up from the last time we had a show. And um, let's see. Canning, to start off the bad broker report, Canning Logistics Services, LLC. Hopefully this is the portion of the show that you might want to make sure that you got your pen and paper. Write down the MC numbers. Canning Logistics Services, LLC, MC number is 671-340. FMCSA shows trust fund is scheduled for cancellation on 2-26-17. Over $11,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Cardi Logistics, LLC, Cardi Transport, LLC. That MC number is 929-464. FMCSA shows trust fund canceled on 1-12-17. Over $17,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Drayden, Inc., All Fresh Transport. MC number is 252-905. Surety bond canceled over $127,000. And non-payment complaints have been reported. Now operating as All Fresh Logistics Inc. MC number is 989-932. Carriers beware. This is a high-risk broker. Surprisingly enough, if they've connected the dots to see uh, that, you know, I'm surprised that that chameleon, uh, that chameleon broker thing where they, where they go out of business is one thing and open up as another thing. Surprised that they, the FMCSA is really allowing some of this stuff to keep carrying on uh, without coming down with a, a harder hammer on this thing, on on some of these bad actors. Uh, back to the report. WHC con contractors. Shipper. This is a shipper. WHC contractor. No broker authority or bond. Uh, they have nearly $73,000 in unpaid carrier invoices have been reported. Again, this is WHC Contractors. This is a shipper. This is part of the risk when you are dealing with direct shippers. There is um, not a whole lot of recourse, um, but you have to make sure that you don't allow your contracted shippers to get too far out of, um, that you don't extend too much more, too much credit to uh, put yourself in a bad position. But, man, that's a lot of money, $73,000 and unpaid carrier invoices from WHC contractors. Holland Transport Management Services, MC number is 512-837. This broker has over $50,000 in unpaid carrier invoices. They are considered an extreme risk. American Optimized Logistics Solutions Group, Inc., MC number is 578-607. Over $5,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Flying Eagle Transport, LTD. This one's going to blow your socks off, ladies and gentlemen. Flying Eagle Transport, LTD. MC number 517898. Surety bond is canceled. Notice of intent for nearly 64 million dollars in unpaid carrier imports. Again, $64 million in unpaid carrier invoices. That is Flying Eagle Transport, LTD. Crestline Transportation, Inc. MC number is 673-791. Trust Fund Council, over $29,000 in 
and non-payment complaints have been reported. Buzz Logistics LLC, that MC number is 792-039. Trust Fund is canceled. Over $42,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Floyd D. Banks Logistics LLC, Floyd D. Banks Trucking, MC number is 864-554. Over $10,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Raymar Transportation, Inc., MC number is 300-208, Surety Bond Council. Over $20,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Arrow Logistics, LLC, MC number is 689-363. Over $17,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Pro Alliance Network Inc. MC number is 995-803. FMCSA shows trust fund is, is set to cancel on 3-22-17. Over $46,000 in non-payment complaints. And wrapping up the bad broker report, JNC Transportation Corporation. MC number 582-574. Over $4,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this week's bad broker report. Uh, sadly enough, that uh, that's kind of sad. That's really sad. Uh, looking for our mentor, Chuck Snow. I think he's on the line. Chuck, if you could press number one so we can get you up and on board, we can get you uh, get you plugged in. Ah, see you right there. I'm just going to come straight to you. How you doing, Chuck? I'm very well. How are you, Rico? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Great to have you on board with us tonight. For you, those Great of you to that be may, here. I've got to tell you, Rico, I am taken back by your bad broker report. Um, I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard it. If I didn't know you so well, I'd think you were making it up, but I know you better than that. <laughs> It gets it, it. It's you know we missed the show a couple of times and it was it got it was a little longer, but I tell you uh, I really was blown away by that sixty four million dollars. Like good God Almighty, how does somebody allow you to get that far? Absolutely, uh, Rico. That one doesn't even you know I, I gotta tell you I'm dumbfounded by that because that one is so high it almost doesn't even make sense that they would have to have stung a lot of people over a long period of time to rack up $64 million. That's, that's right. huge. Um, that, you know, yeah, big that, brokerage house, you know, up in, because they're a Canadian uh, brokerage house, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, in Manitoba, and a, a medium to fair-sized brokerage house up here would be about $50 million in sales. Um, they You know, and they racked up, 64 million. So if they were even a, a large size broker, that would mean they almost didn't pay anybody for a whole year. The numbers are astounding. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to the story than just uh, somebody getting in over their head. Absolutely, absolutely. And just want to give uh, give you a proper introduction there, Chuck. For those of you that may not know, uh, or, um, may not know Chuck or new to the show. Uh, Chuck is our, I, I have dubbed him affectionately our resident mentor. 
Chuck Snow uh, comes to us with a vast amount of experience, years of experience. He owns a asset-based trucking company, and he also owns the largest brokerage house out of Canada, Traffics. And um, actually, uh, Chuck, I think you got some good news that you want to share with us tonight. I certainly do. Um, we opened up an office in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, so now there's a Traffics USA in Chicago. I've put together uh, with my partners, we have put together a dream team down there. And we've got lots of stuff happening. You know, up until we did this, an awful lot of our freight that we've been handling uh, that is domestic U.S. was, you know, it was stuff that mostly spot moves we do for clients. And that's what, what actually got us down there. Whereas two things, number one, we've had a, an awful lot of clients through the years that we've developed long-term business relationships with for the last 38 years that depend on traffics for their shipments going up to Canada. And some of them have been on our case for almost four decades. When are you guys going to open up down here and we'll give you some of our U.S.? And then also we didn't want to just depend on the spot moves for our U.S. carriers and U.S. customers, so we decided to make an investment. So we've got a, a full-size logistics service center in downtown Chicago. It's strictly a brokerage house, and we've got loads happening all over. Uh, we're just getting up and running. We've been running actually for a week today. Uh, it is rocking and rolling. We've got a good sales team, good operations team, and uh, love to do business with lots of you on a steady basis. And if you want, I'll give the, the information at the end of the show how they can get hold of the Chicago team. But we are uh, we're going well beyond what we expected to do our first week. So we've hit the market right. I guess uh, we're picking up a fair bit of business from a lot of these smaller brokerage houses that aren't getting the trucks not able to move the freight because, you know, just your, uh, your bad broker list does it. Uh, it goes right down the tubes. And what happens is when these brokers are unable to pay their bills, they're unable to secure trucks and they're unable to move freight and shippers are looking for ways of moving freight. And we have just hit, I guess, a pretty good time there. So, we're rocking and rolling in Chicago, and I'm really proud of what my team has done there. Absolutely, I'm actually uh, up near Chicago this week doing some stuff, doing some stuff on the spot market, and uh, I've I've seen a couple of traffic close on the lower boards there, truck. So they they are rocking and rolling, that's for sure. Yeah, lots more, to, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, and just for, like I said, we may have a couple of new people that may be joining the show, may be new to the show. If you have a question uh, about trying to, if you want to grow your operation, if you want to grow your trucking business, if you want to, uh, if you got a question about brokering or something like that, tonight's no better. To, it's not a better time to ask your question because we got someone that can kind of give you some real world experience and real world uh, um, advice on how you can accomplish that and be successful. So don't be bashful, don't be shy. Go ahead and press number one, and that will give us an opportunity to get your call screened, and you can come up and on board and ask a true gem in this industry, a true professional, Chuck Snow, about such things on how to grow your operation 
or just some general advice altogether. Uh, one of the best best people that I can think of that you know to help you uh, get your operation and get your mind right on things that you might want to do. Besides the uh, new expansion that you guys got going on there, Chuck, uh, what else new that you guys got going on over at Traffics besides that? Well, we're you know we just started um, about I guess about two months ago, starting to run a lot more freight into the northeast U.S. I happened to uh, pick up some drivers and owner-operators, group of uh, men, that only want to run into that northeast quadrant in our fleet. So that's opened up a whole lot of opportunities because as far as, uh, as, far as freight goes, we have been uh, brokering out freight going into the northeast for years. Used to run our own trucks in there. Uh, a lot of those drivers retired. And for our own fleet, we just concentrated on the Midwest. But now, all of a sudden, there's an awful lot more action for us in that northeast. So we've been sending trucks anywhere from Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, all the way down to Maryland. And it's working out pretty good. You know, that's a, that's a pretty active area for us. Um, there's a fair amount of freight from Canada going down. And there's still freight from that area coming back up to Canada. And it seems to be a, a good area in general going into from the Midwest for, you know, from what I've seen on the brokerage boards. Um, there seems to be an awful lot of activity for U.S. truckers and even from the south, from your neck of the woods, going into that northeast. Uh, do you find that as well? Uh, yes. It's it's been picking up uh, it's been picking up quite significantly, especially this week. Phone's been ringing off the hook for stuff um, going in those directions. And I think for for some of the people out there that may have been struggling in other areas, I think it may be a good area for them, especially from uh, the south and from the Midwest. Uh, seems to be freight volume seems to be phenomenal going in there. Um, great area. Okay, Chuck, we got someone that has a hand raised, want to get a question in. Let's go to Frank in New Jersey. Frank, you're on live. Hi, guys. How are you? Chuck, doing? There you go, Chuck. Good to uh, get on the show. Um, I have um, a question, Mr. Snell. Yes. Um, I'm actually a northeast based carrier, and uh, I got my uh, authority about a year ago. Um, and I understand you're getting into this market to the Northeast. Um, I don't venture that much to go in the Midwest because the rates going out there um, really suck. So I average much better out just rotating within the Northeast. But um, I, um, my question has uh, <clears throat> to do with the comment that you made. You said uh, w when you move into the U.S., you're uh, picking up business from some brokers that are not able to get the trucks and uh, my question is what kind of capability that you do you bring to the table that these guys are not able to do that uh, you're able to take the market them. away from them uh, number one it's longevity we've been in business for 38 years number two we pay our carriers and I think that's the biggest thing when you do a load for us you get paid when you do a load for some of these smaller organizations, especially the ones that were on Rico's do-do list, 
uh, you're not going to get paid. And I think that okay. anybody that does a day's work should get paid for it. And when you okay. haul freight for these companies, you do it under the understanding that you're going to get paid, not that you're going to pay this guy's secretary or his lights or anything else. You're doing it so that you get paid. So if that money goes anywhere else, he's allowed to do whatever he wants with his profit. But if he promised you $700 to take a load from point A to point B, then that broker needs to pay you the $700. And that hasn't been happening in some cases, and therefore these um, these brokers aren't getting their truck followings anymore for that reason. Yeah. Are you going to so, have an internal board on the inside, or are you just going to advertise on the major load boards? You know, uh, that's a great question, Frank. I think we are probably, because I've got some uh, new members of my management team uh, that have just come on, and I think we are going to be migrating towards our own load, load board um, that our carriers will be able to enter onto eventually. There's so much that's gone on in the last six, seven weeks you know, we had to get this Chicago office up and running and some other stuff, too. Uh, that's taken priority. But I think that what you'll see probably within the next, I would say, 90 to 180 days is Traffics will have its own load board. Uh, yeah. We'll still use the other ones because they're they're wonderful tools. But I think it would be a real advantage for both our, our truck following um, as well as for uh, our customers and our dispatchers, for everybody to be able to have that load board. You're and welcome to our market, and I uh, wish you the best. Well, thank you very much, Frank, and uh, I wish you luck too, and hopefully we can do some business together. Absolutely. Take care. Sounds great. We appreciate it, Frank. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, we got, we got a couple more callers that we want to get screened in. And uh, we'll get you guys in just a second. So, Chuck, tell me, um, have you guys been seeing or uh, 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 there's not been a, still been kind of foggy with this new administration coming in and, and stuff like that? Have have they um, have you been hearing anything on your end of the border as far as uh, any any different regulations or something that may be affecting both Canadian and in United States carriers or? Pretty much, uh, it's been kind of quiet on the scene. The only thing that I heard, and I just caught part of it uh, yesterday, was there's a uh, there's a new mandate coming out for Canadian drivers to do with medical uh, that's coming out from, and it's got to do with CVSA, um, which I thought was kind of strange. And I just caught a blurb of it, but they didn't give you much information because they want you to buy their book. And I'm looking into that, and what I'm, we have some different rules. Some of them are, um, some of them are fair, some of them are uh, unfair. And this is for Canadians operating in the U.S. Now, one of them, for example, that uh, that I did find out about, if you have a driver that is a diabetic that takes insulin through a needle, and he lives in Canada, he is not allowed to drive a. Uh, commercial vehicle in the United States. If he's taking pills, that's fine. Um, then there's also some questions, I believe, about the qualifications of medical doctors uh, performing 
uh, driver um, driver examinations. So uh, I think that that's going to possibly be under question, and I think those are the ones. So we're trying to find out. Those are the only two I know of. I would say that there seems to be an awful lot of optimism in the marketplace um, in Canada and the U.S. under the new administration. Now, there's there's certainly fear as well uh, because of trade barriers, but they seem to, I think Canada and the United States have worked out some of those. Um, it seems our prime minister and your president, although they're, uh, they're definitely odd bedfellows, uh, they seem to have hit it off and hit some sort of a uh, agreement. So we may be okay. We may be better off than the uh, the people to the south of you in Mexico, um, as far as trade. So right now we're seeing things fairly robust. Now part of that has to do with our dollar, which is weak. And when we have a weak dollar, that really helps exports. But we don't have a whole lot to export because so much of our manufacturing went out in like uh, 2008, 2009. But interesting times. But no, we've seen some good stuff happen in the uh, in the last three, four weeks. It just seems to be busy. Now, maybe some of that is just seasonal. Um, I think we're kind of over that fear of the new administration, and I think on both sides of the border, and I think people are spending money from what I understand. Yeah, it does look promising as far as uh, the economy on on, uh, on both sides, I think. But uh, we got a couple of more people that's got some questions. Let's go grab some couple more callers, take some couple okay. more questions. We have we have Linda. Linda, you're up on on board live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Well, I was just a uh, had enrolled in a school freight movers schooling up there in uh, Rockwell, Texas. I'm supposed to attend that in April, and I was going to become uh, an agent, and they were supposed to set me up on, depending on how well I did in the course, with a broker. And if the broker isn't doing well for me, what do I do to get lined out with another broker? Um, well, first of all, what sort of a you're going to be t- taking a course? Is that what it is? A a sales course or how? What sort of course is this? It's a, a broker's broker agent. Okay, and the who is offering this course? Um, it's Freight Movers School out of Rockwell, Walk, okay. let me see, Rockwell, Texas. Okay, uh, I got to tell you, I haven't, I've never heard of them, um, but there's certainly an awful lot of schools. If they're going to give you the basic fundamentals of moving uh-huh. freight, you yeah. will probably have no problem getting a job in a load brokerage house and learning the learning the ropes. Becoming a an agent is something you may want to consider up the road, but you know you want to learn the business. Um, you'll go to school, you'll learn how the business works, and then go to work with a reputable brokerage house. Uh, how do you like find out if they're reputable? Well, do a credit check. That's the, the best way you can. Um, you, do you have anybody that you can go to that uh, is involved in banking or accounting that could possibly go through, have a, access to Dun & Bradstreet or Ansonia Credit, and just do a credit check and make sure that they're solvent because there's some okay. great brokerage houses out 
uh, on both sides of the border, big and small. They're not all bad. I'm trying to do a home base uh, job so I can be home more with my family and run it out of my home as an agent. Well, that sounds really good, but I think before you're going to be successful at that, um, you need to learn the business and you need to spend some time in a brokerage house. That's something, becoming a, a successful agent is something you do after you've had some uh, some experience. The, you know, the, there's all sorts of people that would love to be able to do that, and it's not easy. You've got to create okay. a following. Are you, are you a good salesperson? No. <laughs> well, you're being honest. Uh, you better become one if you want to do this. Um, you know, it's like telling Rico and I you want to, uh, you know, you want to play professional football, but you're 300 pounds overweight and you smoke like a chimney. Uh, you know, you got to get into shape. Um, if you want to become a successful uh, freight agent, I think I what do. you should do, uh, you really need to go and I think you need to take a sales course. That's the most important thing. Uh, become a good salesperson. And okay. I've said it on this sales. show a, a dozen times at least. The best sales course you could take is Dale Carnegie. Mark that name okay. down. And I want you to take that course. It's expensive, but there's no sense going into this unless you're a good salesperson. And they will teach you how to do it. Okay, I sure appreciate that. Thank you so much, sir. No problem. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, and good luck to you. Thank you for the call, Linda. I'm just gonna I'm gonna add a little bit to a little bit more to what Chuck was saying. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of schools that are advertising out here for uh, freight training, freight brokering, or whatever. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times the schools uh, they leave out the the most critical aspect of of being a broker or being an agent, and that is the sales aspect, like you were talking about, Chuck. They'll give you the um, they will teach you a lot of the mechanics, the nuts and bolts of how brokering is supposed to work and so on and so forth, and they'll give you the theories of all this stuff, but theories in real-world applications are, are sometimes um, the lines get blurred, and sometimes you have to understand that, you know, what may, what may be uh, the book application of how it's supposed to work and how it actually uh, comes and where the rubber meets the road at on the real world side of the application is is two totally different things in some in some occasions, and so you, I, I I kind of put that out there as a buyer beware um, because unfortunately a lot of a, a lot of people are making um, the majority of their money off of quote unquote education and. Um, and 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 they're being paid to 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 train you, so to speak. But then once they train you, there's no there's they they really kind of hand really hands off. Well, what you do with it is on you. And I, I you know I kind of feel bad for people that you know sometimes it, it almost feel like they're getting took um, because they're not really being properly equipped to actually be successful in the real world application of it. Uh, one thing that I would I would advocate you to do. Is, to check out somebody, uh, uh, if you're already in there, you got to make the best of it. But if you haven't already started it, you know, check them if they if they say that they have a brokerage or whatever. Check the low boards for them. See how much freight they are actually moving. You know, do they make the majority of their money from 
teaching, uh, you know, teaching this book knowledge, or are they actually out here in the real world actually moving freight? Um, that's one thing that you can do to try to vet them, to try to make sure that they are actually an actual player in the real world and not just somebody that just 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 talking the talk, so to speak. Um, let's go on to, and I hope I'm not going to butcher this name, maybe, or, or my daughter didn't write it down right, but I got Yutaka. Yutaka, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? All right, man. You hit it right on the head, man. I appreciate you. Um, I was just cool wondering, um, yeah, yeah, you hit it right on the head. I get a lot of bad people mess my name up, but, um, I'm I'm leased onto a carrier. I have my own truck, my own trailer, but I, I'm I, I leased onto a, uh, a company. Um, I, I did the lease on, and um, and I paid twenty five percent. I'm with Admiral Merchants, and uh, and a lot of y'all probably know who they are. They're they're a fairly good company. So yeah, they are. And I have the option of getting my own freight, you know. So and I live in Indiana, so I try to do a lot of Chicago to the Northeast because I like to be home too. So I'll load out of the Northeast or Indiana. I mean, I load out of the Midwest, and then I run to the East Coast, and then I come right. back. So I was wondering, is it better to to do the lease on with people, or is it better to get your own authority and try to – and is it a big difference in the money? I mean, well, because I hear a lot of people saying they do a lease – you know, they do own authority, and I, and I just started with this uh, – with Admiral, so, I, you know, I don't really you know, know what the difference is. I got to tell you something. Uh, I don't know what your payments are for your truck and your trailer, and I don't know how much Admiral Merchants is taking off. That's that's between you and them. Um, if you heard the beginning of the show, that's oh, am I breaking there. up? Are you breaking up? Can you hear me? Yeah, Chuck. I think. Yeah, now. No, Chuck, I think I think we might you might be in a bad a bad signal there, Chuck. Try it again. Yeah. Uh, hey, we on, might man. have to reconnect. Yeah, we might have to reconnect you, Chuck. Um Let's try it. Let's try this, Chuck. I didn't, I didn't know I didn't know you Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Let's try this, Chuck. Go ahead and uh, let's reconnect, Chuck, and uh, see if you can get back. See if we can get you back in, Chuck. Press number one once you get back in, Chuck. We're going to try to get Chuck back in, uh, up on board on this. Uh, I think he might have hit a bad sale. Yeah, I think he hit a bad sale. Um, back to your question, Yutaka. You were talking about... Um, Being a Right. My my take on that whole situation is this. Um, if you are going to, if one of your goals is to actually grow your company, um, to begin to maybe expand your fleet, what I what I would recommend that you do is that uh, if that's something, that, if that's a goal of yours, you want to have more than one truck and you want to have a fleet, then get your own authority. Uh, but just like we were talking with the previous caller, you got to make sure that you got sales experience that you understand how to go out and do sales and stuff like that. You don't want to be you don't want to be just a uh, uh on the low boards moving freight when you are trying to move freight when you have your own authority. That puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage. Now, the the advantages to being leased on to somebody that that already has freight or if you are moving off of a low board 
it lowers your cost of operation. Your insurance is not going to be as high. You don't have tax tags and titles that you're going to have. Uh, um, it's not going to be as high. Um, you get a you, you get a little bit of a discount by being leased on to someone else. So those you know those main things will keep your cost of operation a little bit lower. And the trade off that you may be seeing as far as the percentages that you pay to them, if they have enough adequate freight to keep you moving and and you still at a good profit margin, then and and if all that you want to do is to run your operation, then that's that that's a good fit. You know, you, you, but you have to understand the different nuances of what it is that you're trying to accomplish or what it is that you want to do. Um, now, if you want to go out and expand, like I say, and, and may, maybe get into brokering X, Y, and Z, then getting your own authority is a great next progression to, to get into. But just understand and note that that's going to be um, that's going to be an issue for you to cause. Uh, oh, yeah. That's gonna be cause. But look, but to, the, to, let, to let, the laws is it gonna is it what is it gonna damage the the industry with this electronic law? Because it's gonna be a lot of is the rates gonna go up or because I mean because it's gonna be a lot of sitting around with this electronic law finna come out. Well, I think that one of the things to help offset that is that uh, more and more people are gonna be requiring the uh, gonna be requiring to get. The marriage or the tension, um, and, and because once the, the electronic laws come out, then that's gonna that's really gonna put more and more people are gonna be. Um, I think it's gonna help rates increase. That's just my opinion. I think that for far yeah. too long that we've been giving away a lot of free a lot of free labor by uh, by not charging proper attention and, and with the what the what I believe that the electronic laws is gonna do is gonna help offset the situations to where we got more and more ways of proving it and more and more companies are going to now have to um, be more aware of loading and, and un unloading time. So they're, they're going to be either forced to um, get their operations a little bit more efficient, you know, get their, you know, make sure they got enough people there to load and, and unload trucks, or uh, they're going to be one of those people where people are going to be avoiding them and that's going to be some of the bad freight that's going to be left out there that people are going to be picking up off the load boards because most yeah. contract carriers are not going to continue to service a customer like that. They're not going to continue to service bad customers that are that are leaving their drivers in the lurch and left and, and out there um, waiting to try to get loaded because it's going to be costing it's going to be costing the companies much much more money. Yeah, cost too much money and just sit around and do nothing. Did Chuck get back yet? And Yes, sir. We uh, just fixing to say we got Chuck back in right now. Chuck, how you doing? Well, we're good now that we're uh, now that we're connected. We're really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm gonna say okay. listen, but I'm gonna say on I'm gonna say online so I can get his information because I, I load my I can load my own truck when I want and I like he said earlier I run, I like to run to the northeast because I can I can run back out there and be back to Indianapolis you know and, and day and a half two days. And I'll be home on the weekend, so uh, I'll be on the line listening to, for the information at the end of the show. I appreciate you. Thank All you. right, Chuck. We wanted to get your get your take in on it. He wanted to know about uh, running as a leased operator or, or as a motor carrier. I was I was just kind of telling him, you know, kind of a little bit of the pros and cons of, of of both from my perspective of it. But we'll let you take a crack at it. 
Well, if he's going to build a business and he's going to have more than one truck, then he should get his own authority and get out from behind the wheel and get, uh, you know, get behind the phone, the computer, and start making contacts. Um, if he's going to have one truck and drive it himself, um, then he's fine on where he is. Um, it'll work out great. There's lots of good brokers that he could go to and get loaded both ways and, and do LTL one way and all sorts of wonderful things. There's great opportunities for him um, if he wants to grow his business that way. Uh, like I always say, though, that if you, um, you know, you want to spread it around a little bit unless you get a really good brokerage contract. Um, and maybe if he wants to build his own business with his own customers, he starts with brokers and then takes a day a week and starts making some calls or just gets off the road completely but still uses brokers and tries to find freight going a certain direction. And I'm still a big believer in loading some of these trucks, especially going in or out of the Northeast with some not, not traditional LTL. I'm not talking about the one kid that weighs 120 pounds because you're never going to you know, compete with the uh, YRCs and you know the rest of that crew. But I'm talking about the partial loads. And you can usually get five, at least five quarters onto any trailer. So you just have to, you have to be patient and be willing to build it. But it's certainly a great way with one truck to be able to get your revenue up per mile. Absolutely. Well, let's go and grab another caller here. We got Patrick from Texas. Patrick, you're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hi, Rico Chuck. It's great to be on the air. Hey, Patrick. Hey, thanks for the call, Patrick. Now, you always do the uh, spot market rates and the reports, um, truck ratios and such for van, reefer, and flatbed, obviously, because they're the big three. Now, I'm also wondering, I pull a hopper bottom. And I'm wondering uh, where I might be able to find some information as to uh, rates and uh, lane information, uh, uh, truck and load ratios, and that kind of thing for the kind of trailer I pull, uh, dry bulk. Now, rates, um, not so, I'm not so sure about. Uh, you may be able to check um, the, uh, man, I forget the name of the load board for the hopper bottom. I'm, I'm not familiar with exactly all of the information that they have on that load board, but now as far as some information that you can go to, you can always go to USDA. USDA has a yeah. lot of information uh, for brains and, and prices uh, of stuff about the bushel and all that stuff, and I believe that the uh, the rates, that the, the, the information that they have on there about the rates by the bushel and, and, and everything about, like that is pretty accurate. I believe that that rate information uh, is pretty accurate on there. Um, so you might want to go and, and take a little bit of time and piddle around on the USDA's website and they and just do, do, do a couple of searches, of different searches for the types of commodities that you're moving with your hopper bottom and, uh, and I'm pretty sure that you can find some information on there. Um, Chuck, anything that you want to add on that? No, I think you, uh, you know what, I think you just uh, hit the nail on the head. Uh, let me ask something, Patrick. How far are you running with that hopper bottom? It varies sometimes. Generally, it's about 500 miles 
uh, a load. That's uh, pretty common, but there's also, it's, uh, like I said, it varies a lot. It can go up to in excess of 1,000. Okay. Now, give me an example of one of your runs that you guys would uh, would run. Where would you go well, from where uh, to where? Uh, generally from, say, some kind of seaport or a mineral mine that mines various kinds of uh, plant nutrients. Uh, we do a lot of fertilizer, so okay. potash or mineral salts going uh, to, let's say, anywhere across the country, a fertilizer place, uh, generally a farmer's co-op or something like that, uh, where it will from there be distributed to the various farms. Okay, so you'd pick up a load, let's say, the Port of Houston? Is that, is that something you would do? Yeah, Port of Houston or Port of uh, Catoosa, that's near Tulsa. Carlsbad Potash Mines is a big one, and things of the sort. Okay, so you pick up a load in Houston and you run it uh, a thousand miles uh, west, so you're going to uh, northwest, so you end up, let's say, in Chicago with that hopper. What do you normally do to get back towards Texas? Now, northeast is something we generally don't do, but the one time I was there, I got a load of, uh, it was wheat mids. That's uh, a grain grain by, byproduct that's used uh, for feed, and that came out of Buffalo, New York. And generally, freight coming out of that that area, from what I've heard, I don't know much, is that it's uh, usually not, uh, it's uh, cheaper and more scarce coming out of the northeast. Well, Buffalo especially, yes. Um, but I'm talking about if you ended up in Chicago, for example, or somewhere in the Chicago area, what would you do to get back to Houston? Well, I, like I said, I haven't done uh, much in that area. Probably there would be some deadhead involved, probably back to, uh, I would say, I don't want to say all the way to Iowa because that would be uh, quite a distance, but somewhere where they grow lots of corn, you often have okay. these ethanol plants where you can bring right. ethanol byproducts back down to, uh, to the Texas area. Okay. Now, your trailer has a tarp, correct? Your tarp top? Yes, sir. It's tarped. Okay. Have you ever considered, and the only reason I'm asking is because my son Doc and I once, uh, when he got out of school, looked at buying a company in Saskatchewan that had, um, they had some similar equipment, and I thought of using it. They were getting paid huge money at the time going from Saskatchewan uh, east into Long Island, New York. And, and this was about eight years ago. And they were getting about three fifty or $4 a mile back then. And, oh, wow. Uh, and I thought at the time of loading those things back because of the ragtop, uh, being able to load them back as a flatbed. Have you ever been able to do that where they could crane load something onto your trailer? Well, um, no, and uh, generally these hoppers, they're, uh, from inside they're giant cones. There's no flat space. There are, there is an exception. There is convertibles where they have doors yeah, in the back, and, and that's right. you can lay the floor flat. Uh, I don't yep, pull one of those. You do see some people okay. doing the convertibles. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you something. How many, uh, what percentage of deadhead miles do you have to do? Well, it's been a little bit more recently, and I don't have the exact percentage, but it would be less than 30%. Well, uh, okay. 30% is quite a bit. Um, yeah. Unless you're getting paid huge money. So 
just, and I don't know your business at all, Patrick, but if you're running 30% empty, then you need a convertible hopper. Okay. Uh, and, I, again, I don't know much about your business, but unless you're getting huge money, um, and there's no way you can afford 30% empty miles unless somebody's paying you a, a huge amount of money and they're covering, you know, at least like 70% of your backhaul. When you go out. Well, like I, like I said, this is a, a, a extremely rough number. That's just uh, a number I pulled out of the out of the air. Okay. It would, uh, overall, it would be much less than that. I'm just uh, trying Patrick? not to lie here. All right, I appreciate that, Patrick. I'm going to share something with you. You've never possibly heard Rico and I talk about this. Uh, okay. You own a truck, uh, and you think you're a truck driver and an owner operator. But I have real bad news for you, buddy. You're an accountant. Oh. And you're an accountant that knows how to drive a truck. And no offense, but if you drove a truck anywhere like you do your accounting, uh, you wouldn't make it far up the road. So now you've got to get proficient. We are in a numbers business. It's totally number-centric. And you need to know that. You need to know your percentage of empty miles because that's a huge thing when you're operating a truck and you're we're not making a lot of money with trucks these days or most people I speak to are not so you really need to figure out how to make money on those empty miles that's the difference between eking out a meager living and doing real well that 30 percent all right Chuck has, I got a cook your truck has a hundred thousand miles or a hundred thousand dollars a year and you can put $30,000 extra on it, that, it's almost 600 bucks a week. That's a lot of money in my books. Chuck, i got to cut you off real quickly because I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, and, Patrick, we appreciate the phone call. Uh, Mike, we are going to get to you. Don't Just hang on. Stay right there where you are. But before we lose recording airtime, I want to make sure that you get a chance to share information with everybody on how they can get in contact with you and get involved with traffic about the new opportunity that you guys got going on out of Chicago. So I'm going to give, get time to let you get that plug in before we lose uh, okay. recording time. All right. Thanks, Rico. Uh, first of all, for my Chicago office, uh, you call 888-253-8010, extension 743, or you can email chicagoops at traffic. That's T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. If you want to speak to me, I'm glad to take your phone calls. You have to call, and this is really important, guys. First of all, my extension is 203. And mark that down in big letters on your on your paper there. And the phone number is 800-388-4352. And if you don't press 203, you're going to go through 80 people in my office you get the right one. Don't do that to yourself or to my team, please. So just so you know, if you call me, I'm not there. Leave a message. I am religious about returning phone calls. I have helped lots of our readers out, and I'll continue to. But leave a message. Speak clearly with a phone number, how I can get hold of you, and I'll call you back, and we'll try to solve your problem. That's how you get hold of me. Cool, we appreciate it, Chuck, and 
we got that out of the way and just in the nick of time because we're now in the overtime. This portion of the show will not be recorded, but we got one more caller that has a question, and we want to try to make sure that we try to get all of our callers in and see if we can get their questions answered. So with that said, no further ado, let's go grab Mike. Mike, you're up and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Good morning. How are you guys? Evening, I guess we should say. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you doing? Not too good bad. Good evening. Good. I just had a very quick question. It's too bad it's not going to be recorded because it would be an interesting question there. Um, with the inmate of uh, electronic logs coming in, um, here's a quick question as far as brokerages are concerned. Uh, how are you guys going to be asking whether or not a carrier is actually under e-log or not? If their vehicle is uh, electronic log, uh, um, I guess, not, not needed, like 99 or older vehicle, uh, is that going to be a requirement for a brokerage? No. Uh, not at all, as long as uh, our big worry is when we give somebody a shipment, especially if it's an urgent shipment, is yep. to make, number one, where is the driver? Okay, how far is he from the load? How are his hours? And if somebody says, well, you know what, he just drove from Chicago to New York, but he unloaded just now and he uh, drove all night, but he's good to <laughs> load and go, I won't give him the load, obviously. Okay, no, I was just so, curious. I'm a Canadian I'm a Canadian, by the way, so I was just curious. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, you know what, we have to work with people, and um, and we work with new people, and it's, we're like any other brokerage house. If, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're not going to get loaded again. Um, there's a difference okay. between lying and, and a mistake. We all make mistakes. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that's a, it was a very interesting uh, thing. I was just inquiring about purchasing an older truck, actually. It's a, a 99 truck, and I was just inquiring about that. Uh, not sure if the carrier I work with currently right now will bring it on, uh, but it's a very good opportunity. So if it will not take it on, there's the potential I may just go and get my own operating authority and stuff. And maybe, where are you um, based on? Uh, where am I based in? Uh, Toronto, uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'll tell you what. Uh, and do you run over the border, or do you just run uh, local? No, I run over the border, and actually, I do believe that you have an office about oh six or seven hundred feet actually from our uh, our office or one of the one of our terminals. You guys are still okay. over Canada Road, aren't you? No, we're on uh, we're in uh, Milton on uh, Wheelabrator. Oh, okay, you guys must have moved down there. I thought uh, you guys had a, a location over there off of uh, Britannia Road in Saga. Um, I did. My God, I don't even think you were born when I had my location there. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I'll tell you what. If your carrier won't take that 99 truck, you call me tomorrow. I'll take you. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm I'm pretty picky. i got to make sure it meets my specifications first. Well, I think we will. But uh, anyways, I like old trucks. <laughs> they get up and down the road better than a lot of the new ones, trust me. You got that right. I got a new one right now, and I got an air suspension gauge on the dash. It's flashing on me, saying it doesn't want to dump anymore. <laughs> Second yeah, time in uh, and this is a 17 model, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, the newer they are, the worse they are. I, I ran into a friend of mine the other day. and uh, He runs CA Towing here in Milton, and he said yep. he's busier than hell. I said, Bill, is there a lot of wrecks? He goes, no. He says it's all new stuff. It's breaking down. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm sorry, I missed your last name there, Chuck. What was your last name again? No, S-N-O-W. Snow, S-O, snow as in white stuff on the ground. That's right. <laughs> and we get a fair bit of it, just not lately. 
That's right. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I work I work for Herb Transport right now. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, good company. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, they are a wonderful company there. I'm just not sure if the uh, the management will allow that one to come on to you. I've already inquired about it earlier. This is uh, I'm not sure about it because I don't think it's going to meet the e-log mandate. I'm just uh, looking at maybe purchasing the truck. There's a gentleman that's selling it right now, and I looked at it today. It was just in an immaculate condition for the year. Yeah, I know. Oh. Some of those, they built really good trucks back then, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did. Well, this is a 770 Volvo, and they're a little harder to find. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, so, They're, no, they're no, real heavy, question. though. That's, that's the problem you're going to have with that 770. Yeah, I've, I've told that one. This one's actually got a double frame on it, I believe, too. I believe it was uh, originally uh, ordered for hauling uh, probably something with a hopper or something like that because it's got a PTO attached to it. Yeah, you're going to run so, into a problem with that truck uh, running anything else, but uh, that truck weighs over 20,000 pounds uh, as it sits. Well, the one I'm driving right now is 21,000, so I'd be ahead of really? the there. Yeah, oh, yeah, the wow. new one's 20,000 plus. Whoa. Okay. Because of all the DPF filters and DPF yep. crap, all the all the EPA stuff that's on them. Now down in the U.S., there they don't have they got a bit of an advantage because they haven't changed the law up here, but you can put a dead axle on the back. I know. So, but uh, once you can do the dead axle on the back, that'll alleviate some of that weight. Yeah, I saw what happened with uh, one of those dead axles in the back. Uh, when CFI was still CFI before it became, I forget who owns it now. I guess it's still CFI. Um, there was a CFI truck in Milton, one of their Kenworths, with a dead axle, and uh, uh-huh. there was a snowstorm. And the driver, he was on Market Street and Main Street, in, or Market and uh, and Martin. And he couldn't make uh-huh. it through the light because uh, there was a little bit of snow on the ground, and he had to chain <laughs> up. I saw that with my own two eyes. I swear to God. So. Oh, that's why I need. That's why. Yeah, they they suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why you need to get yourself a pair of auto socks, and you're good to go. You put them things on in yep. five minutes, and away you go. Yeah, well, traffic the traffic behind this guy wasn't real impressed. Oh, <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> well. I, I guess more of a personal question. I'll ask you a little later there on a private phone call there, but uh, I guess uh, it just basically having your own operating authority and stuff like that, and you can uh, pull freight for traffic. Is that correct? Sure. If you have your own operating okay. authority and WSIB uh, for replacement, yeah, uh, we'll give you freight. That's awesome. That's a very interesting uh, scenario there. Uh, do, you do, uh, do you do freight out to the West Coast there, like uh, Western Canada, Vancouver, uh, Calgary, Edmonton? Yeah, we got some going in there. Okay. Yeah, you, and you know, there's, there's lots of guys who want to run there, and there's uh, you're competing with rail. Oh, yeah, lovely there. How about Washington yeah. and Oregon and Idaho? Uh, yeah, we got freight going in there. Sweet. Are you and thinking of buying a well? uh, yeah. uh, that was uh, one I was. That's probably one I was considering it doing there. Uh, uh, seems to be the most, other than probably flatbeds, but the only most utilized uh, trailer out there you can haul a bunch of different things with it yeah uh, i agree uh california you know the the loads going out pay shit um and coming <laughs> back you're at the you're at the mercy of you know it's all produce uh and yeah. you're not going to get out to california with a 99 uh truck no building. no i no i realize that no you'd be into you could do stuff right along the very borders of Arizona. You could definitely get away with, but uh, oh, yeah. with the mileage, yep, the mileage allowances per year that you're allowed to do with that old of a vehicle. 
I think it's 5,000 yeah. Ks or something you can do per year, or 5,000 miles per year. So as long as you stay by the border, you'd be fine. Oh, yeah. So, right. no, I've looked at that stuff. Anyways, I will, uh, I'll let you go there. I think you guys are done for the show, so I appreciate you uh, uh, answering my question there. It's greatly, great, greatly appreciated. It's first-time right. caller, by the way, too. Well, I'm glad you called. Yeah, maybe you guys will be down at CMT. I don't know. Uh, I will. Awesome. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Mike. No problem. Thank you, Rico. Have and uh, yes, sir. And I think that pretty much wraps us up for the evening, there, Chuck. Um, man, I tell you, the hour just flew by. I'm probably should have been for a little bit of extra fun, time, but that. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's great know? getting back in the saddle again. Yeah, it's great getting back in the saddle here. So for the guys, you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that are still listening, that are still on next week, um, fourth week of the month, uh, actually third week, I'm sorry, I'm getting my days confused, third week of the month, so we'll have our transportation attorney on, Henry Seaton, uh, we'll have him on next week. So if you have any transportation law legal questions, tell a friend, tell a friend, and we hopefully see you guys all next week, God willing. Thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And uh, shouts out back home to uh, the lovely daughters for screening the phone calls for us. We appreciate it, girls. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, Rico. Thank you, Chuck. Good night. Good night. God bless.